Welcome to the Genesis Church Podcast. I did that on purpose. Just wanted to see if you guys were going to respond back. Nah, just kidding. God bless you, man. I'm super excited to be joined with you guys here today. We had an amazing time first service. Uh, give it up to the worship team, production team. I'm so proud of them, man. They're just bringing God's presence into this place, and it's just been awesome, awesome to see everything that God is doing. Um, I'm excited, and I'm going to hit the ground running with you guys because there's a, there's, a, there's a lot I want to chat with you guys about. If you guys have been with us this, uh, in this never-ending story series, it has been amazing. How many have been blessed by it? It's been phenomenal, man. We've started January, the beginning of January, all the way up until March. And if you aren't, uh, haven't been aware of, of anything that we've been doing, scan that QR code. Uh, you'll have some resources available for you, things that you can do to catch up with us and be a part of what we're uh, doing here. Uh, we're basically going through the Bible the entire year. Is that crazy or what? I've never done this before uh, in a corporate level like this. So this is vast. This is really good. Uh, but we, we don't go just there. We go a little deeper too. So we created a post-Sunday podcast, Pastor Tim and I, or whoever is uh, preaching that Sunday. We had Pastor Tad Grandstaff with us a few weeks ago. Uh, we basically will just uncover some more really be able just to go deeper into the Word of God. Uh, as you guys know, there's a limited window of what we have here to speak on the things that we need to speak, up, speak on. And so what we do is try to, the things that, that we didn't get to cover, we'll go ahead and cover it in there and hit you with some, some more, more details and more stuff. So uh, we've been having a blast doing it. So I'm excited for that. But uh, if you guys have, were with us last week, we uh, introduced uh, a central figure, uh, and his name is Joseph. Uh, how many are aware of the Joseph story, right? Up until now, Pastor Chad led us very well uh, into that. But even before I begin, I just want to start in prayer because I, I really want God to lead what he wants to do here today. Amen. Can you, will you guys join me in prayer? Father, thank you today. Thank you for your power. Thank you for your presence. I know it's here. Let me be your mouthpiece and what you want to say, what you want to speak to your people here today. Father, it's not my will, your will. Let it be done here today and let the response of your people be here as well. Father God, thank you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Pastor Chad basically began uh, in Genesis uh, 37 all the way till 40, but basically introduced the story of Joseph. And Joseph um, is, is the son of Jacob. If you guys are with us a few weeks, even back then, we talked about Jacob's life. And so uh, now we're in the story of Joseph. And where we left off was basically he was accused, wrongfully accused, of, uh, of committing uh, a crime uh, of rape towards uh, Potiphar's uh, wife. If you guys aren't aware of that story, uh, basically his brothers, 11 uh, at the time, 10, 11 brothers were, uh, sold him into slavery. And one, one thing we know about Joseph was that he was, just a, he, was, he was Jacob's favorite son, and he boasted about that right? He let that be known amongst his brothers, put it that way. And he had a nice uh, coat uh, that his dad gave to him. He would flaunt that everywhere he went. He had a couple dreams early in his life at about 17 years old. And he just really began to just boast about these dreams to the point where his brothers were like, man, you, you, we just despise you, you dreamer, you know? Like we, 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 they basically wanted to cut him off and kill him. Um, but what ended up happening is they ended up throwing him into a pit 
And in the pit, they decided, you know what, we're going to sell him. We're going to sell him to Egyptian slave traders. They sold him off to slave traders. He ended up working for uh, a kind of a um, uh, grand uh, Egyptian uh, general at that time. And he basically was serving under him. And his wife accused him of rape. She found him to be a very good-looking, attractive man accused him of rape because he wouldn't commit that crime. He wouldn't, he, he didn't want to uh, basically go in, in, into that. He was a man of integrity. And so she accused him. He went to jail. And now we leave off in prison, right? He is in prison for two years, uh, maybe a little more, because uh, we leave off here into, um, into what we're going to go into in this time with Joseph. So if you got your Bibles with me, Genesis 41, we're going to read one through seven. It goes along like this. When two full years had passed, Pharaoh had a dream. He was standing by the Nile when out of there came up seven cows, sleek and fat, and they grazed among the reeds. After them, seven other cows, ugly and gaunt, came up out of the Nile and stood beside those on the riverbank. And the cows that were, uh, that were ugly and gaunt ate up the seven sleek, fat cows. Then Pharaoh woke up. So dream number one. Let's continue on. Verse 5. He fell asleep again and had a second dream. Seven heads of grain, healthy and good, were growing on a single stalk. After them, seven other heads of grain sprouted, thin and scorched by the east wind. The thin heads of the grain swallowed up the seven healthy full heads. Then Pharaoh woke up again. So now here we are. Pharaoh had, had a dream of himself. And, and, and basically, he was distraught. He was like, oh my God, what, what can these dreams mean? So he, 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 he calls all the magicians from the land and says, I need, every, I need someone to interpret this dream for me. And no one could, right? And so what ends up happening is, uh, we're going to go into verse 49, because I, I want to I wanna give you a little bit of a head, a head start here. 41.9, if you could pull that one up for me, if you have it. Then the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, Today I am reminded of my shortcomings. So what ended up happening is Joseph interpreted dreams for two individuals that were in prison with him. One of them was a cupbearer and one of them was the baker. They were pharaohs, cupbearer and baker. So they, were, they, they, they had status, right, in, 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 that, in that culture. Uh, and basically, he interpreted their dreams, which came to pass. The cupbearer end, ended up living. His dream came to pass. And one of the things that Joseph told the cupbearer was, when you meet Pharaoh, please remember me. Or, or basically, when you get out of here, please remember me. And so now two full years have passed. So he basically has been forgotten. But now... In verse 9, the chief cupbearer says to, he says to Pharaoh, oh my goodness. He says, today I'm reminded of my shortcomings. So let's continue on. Genesis chapter 41, verse 14. So Pharaoh sent for Joseph and he was quickly brought from the dungeon. When he had shaved, changed his clothes, he came to Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to, the, to Joseph, I had a dream and no one can interpret it. But I have heard it said that you, that said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. I love this verse, and I want you to remember this verse here today, okay? Verse 16 says, I cannot do it. Joseph replied to Pharaoh, but God. Come on, somebody. But God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. I love that. I love that. 
And, and, and so basically, he ends up interpreting his dream. And what he ends up telling Pharaoh is that, listen, your dream, uh, you dreamt it twice, which means it's going to come to pass. And basically what it means is seven, the first seven years that you're about to experience are going to be seven fruitful years in the land of Egypt. You're going to see tremendous, tremendous crop harvest. But then the next seven years are going to be severely famine for you in your land. And what I love about Joseph is like he, 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 he not only interprets this dream, right? But he kind of tosses a, but if you know anyone that can help you put it all together, you know, make, try to find that individual because he basically ends up telling Pharaoh how to really navigate and put everything together to the point where Pharaoh's like, there's no one like you, man. You are wise. So he basically says, hey, man, I'm going to make you in charge. So literally the same day, Joseph is going from the prison to the palace. That is incredible. It is incredible. But, but there's things we need to talk about that occurred between the prison and the palace. There's some things that need to be talked about, right? And I don't want to get ahead of myself. So we're going to pause here, right? Because I want, I want, I want, I will continue and resume on this story here, but just put a, put a marker there on, on that. But as you guys see, what we see in Joseph's life, right? Verse 16, I can't do it, but God can. What we see in Joseph's life is the true development of God's plan. You see, I, I love scripture because everything in scripture has symmetry. Some way, somehow, it all just comes together. There's symmetry that ties everything together back to God's ultimate plan for humanity. But check this out. There's a specific plan for your life. For your life. Many of you are probably wondering, what, what is this guy doing here with some Legos? I know my kids are here, and they're like, man, I want to play. I know they want to play. But this is my table with Legos, right? Um, and how many have played with Legos or built Legos in their lifetime? <laughs> yes, I think all of us have. Uh, I remember when my twins were, you know, around maybe four, five, somewhere around there, they were just enamored about Legos. And they, uh, we, we ended up going shopping and, and they would love what looked in the box, right? You're like, all right, let's go get some Legos. Which one do you want? Ooh, I like that one. That one's so cool, right? And so we go home, and they're just, you know how they are. They're just sitting right there in anticipation waiting for you. And you're just like, all right, you ready? Let's do this. Let's build this. And they don't understand what you're saying, you know, like building and all that and putting together. They're like, no, no, it's a toy. And you're like, here you go. Here you go. And they're grabbing these things and they're just like, that doesn't look like what's in the box, right? They basically have that face. They're trying to communicate that, but they're super disappointed. And you're just trying to hype it up. You're like, we're going to get there. I promise. I know the plan. As your father, as your mother, I know we're going to get here. You just need to be a little bit patient with the process. Can you sit here and just work it with me, right? And how many are thankful for this manual right here? 
Oh my goodness, man. This thing has saved my life so many times. Aside from the Bible, I think this is the most important instruction manual you'll ever receive in your lifetime. I'm not lying to you, man. Look at this thing. It is in depth. You don't even need words. Like, it's just straight, like, just, just pictures. Like, I love it, right? Because I, I, this is the way I learn, right? It's like, all right, grab that one. All right, you got all this bundle here. But for a young kid, they're like, I don't want this. I, I want this. I want this. And in and, and, and all this time, you're telling them, listen, we're going to get there. It takes time. It takes time, right? How many know that God's timeline is a little bit different than our timeline, right? As we see in Joseph's life, our timeline is not always God's timeline. And there's two things that ultimately helped fulfill God's plan for Joseph's life. And I want to run through this with you guys here today. So if you got notes, let's go. One, faithfulness. Faithfulness. You see, Joseph's dreams did not have specifics, didn't have details. Hey, listen, at 17, your brothers are going to sell you. You're going to be in this pit. And then from this pit, you're going to end up going to Egypt. And then you're going to work for Potiphar in his land. And then he's, his wife's going to falsely accuse you. And then you're going to end up in prison and, you're gonna, and then be forgotten in prison. None of that happened. He didn't get the details of what this dream was, right? And let me ask you, isn't that how faith works? We don't understand the details of it all, but we trust that God is leading the way. That's how faith works. That's how faith is is, is living because it's active. It's moving, right? My faith grows because I'm moving. I'm believing that something's going to come to pass. I may not see it, but I'm believing. So even through Joseph's continuation of his struggle, he never lost faith. He had no idea at the end of this prison sentence that he was going to find himself in front of Pharaoh. He had no clue. But yet when we read scripture, it's like he's not even phased. It's like he was almost ready for this moment. How many of us are preparing ourselves even in the middle of the darkness right now in your life? Getting yourself ready. See, because we don't understand that sometimes God is working something in your life right now for something that's going to occur in the future. Come on. So Genesis 14, 16, I keep going back to this verse because it says, I cannot do it. Here he is in front of Pharaoh and he says, and Pharaoh is telling him, hey, listen, I heard about you, man. I heard you, you got a talent. I heard you got a gifting. I heard you're great. And right away he says, hold up. I can't do this. God can. God's the one that can do this. God's the one. So why and how was Joseph so prepared when his time came? How do we know that? How? Because faithfulness is developed in the darkness. You see, here he is in the pit. God's developing him in the darkness. Here he is in prison. God's developing him in darkness. You think he just happened to learn these things? You think he just happened to just say, 
ah, you know what? No, 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 no. I'm going to give the glory right back to God in this situation because this is the way, that's the way that it works, right? No, God was building something deep within him throughout this time of darkness in his life. We don't know the details as to how Joseph's faith was truly developed, but we know it was. When I, when I think about faith being developed in the darkness, I think about a seed, right? And we talked about that last time I preached. But when you have a seed in your hand, it is useless. I can't do nothing with it. But the moment that I dig that seed deep, underground, in the darkness, that is when growth begins to happen. And that's the way faith works. I don't understand. It looks dark all around me. I think you're right where you belong for growth in your life. Come on. When you guys see the trees in your, in your, in your, in your neighborhood and all that, it's not just that. It's not just the leaves and the trunk. There's a root system underneath that you don't even know nothing about. There's a root system that's two to three times bigger than the tree itself. There's something happening in the darkness in, of Joseph's life. There's something that was occurring in his life. We see that faithfulness developed in Joseph's life through, through his life in this area here. Through his spiritual wisdom and, and maturity. You see, Genesis 41, 14, right? If we go back to that, Pharaoh calls Joseph into his presence. And for me, I don't know about you guys, but if I am in prison for two years more. I'm in a land that's foreign to me. I want to get back home. So I'm looking for any advantage that I can get to get myself my ticket to get home. So here is Pharaoh and he says, hey, I want you in my presence. Don't you think that Joseph was battling in his mind? Oh man, this is my chance to get what I need. This is my chance to get what I want. How many of us, if you're put in that type of situation in your life, will shorten you, the, the level of your, what your faith needs, right? That, this is exactly the opposite of the approach that Jacob took. See, Jacob was one that manipulated and wanted to make everything known for himself. He always had to have his hand on something. He didn't let faith marinate. He didn't let faith work underground in the darkness. But here is Joseph saying the total opposite. Hey, man, I'm in the darkness right now, but I'm still choosing to give God the glory and the honor in my life right now. I'm still choosing to surrender all that I have. Even though I have the edge, I got the opportunity. I got my ticket to go home right now. I'm still going to reflect everything right back to, to God. We didn't see that at his young age. In Genesis 37:10. He boasted about his jacket. Yo, y'all like this? Brothers, y'all like this? Dad made it for me. Guess what? I also had a dream. Y'all were going to be bowing down to me. Imagine someone telling you that, right? You just want to slap them. It's like, stop, man. But you see the difference in maturity with Joseph? At 17, I'm here boasting about my swag and what I have and the things I got. But at 30 years old, man, I've been humbled. I've been broken. I've gone through some things. But I've seen the hand of God work in my life. 
Come on, man. Spiritual maturity and wisdom comes with time. You just don't get it instantaneously. It comes with time. It comes. And I love this. God delights to promote people that are eager to give him the glory. When my kids say, oh, I got the, you know, if I overhear a conversation or something and they're like, dude, my dad is so cool. Yo, it makes me like, oh my gosh, when he gets home, I'm going to get him some. I'm going to get him a toy. I'm taking him to Planet Smoothie. I'm going to spoil that kid, man, because he's boasting about me. He's telling his friends how cool I am. That, that makes me so happy. Right? Imagine God. Eager. God delights to promote people that are eager to give him the glory. You see, but I'll tell you something, though. As nice as this is, at times, developing spiritual wisdom and maturity will come with contradictions. Because here is Joseph's life, and he's, here he is living and doing the right things, right? But, what, but nothing's changing around him, though. Why do we find ourselves giving, giving, giving God a timeline? I'll keep my faith, God, up until this time, and if I can, I got to go do what I got to do. Right? It comes with contradictions. Joseph's life doesn't look anything like what's being developed inside. What we expect from Joseph is a person that is bitter, a person that is, that is angry. But yet we see a whole different side, even in the middle of a contradicting circumstance in his life. My dream looks nothing like what I thought it would. But yet I'm choosing still to be faithful. You see, because those contradictions happen, right? Because in order for me to see the healing that I want to see, I got to be sick. In order for me to gain, I got to lose. In order for me to prosper, I have to go through pain. We got to go through these things. And it looks, it's contradicting. Because my, my, my faith is asking me to do something that my circumstances don't want, don't want it to look like. But let me tell you something. Developing spiritual maturity and wisdom requires that you face with the same grace the loss as you do with the win. You got to face it the same way. That is the sign of a spiritual, mature, and wise child of God. That says that even in the loss, I'm still got the same face. Even in the win, I still got the same face. Nothing changes because my God doesn't change towards me. Imagine, imagine our God getting at us every single time we sinned. Imagine the, the, the mood swings our God would have every single time he's looking at our life like, oh my God, here we go, up and down, up and down. You were good yesterday, bro. Why you like this today? Come on, man. But our God remains the same yesterday, today, and forever. We talked about that. We, we sang about that today. Our God is the same God. So he asks of us that if we're going to grow with this and we're going to go further in this, that we face with the same grace, the loss that we do with the win. Another thing that we ultimately 
helped fulfill God's plan for Joseph's life. And we're going to now go back to the story. We're going to resume right back, right, where we were. But I want to leave you with this. The second thing is forgiveness. Forgiveness. Let that sink in a little bit. So now here is Joseph, right? And basically his brothers come. And now his brothers, uh, so the seven years of famine now have occurred. They're in year one, literally year one. And Jacob, his father, and, and the 11 that are brothers that are there are like, we need to get food. We need to head back. We need to go to Egypt. So he sends them there, but he, he sends only 10 of them. He goes, they go there, and guess who sees them? It's like a movie, man. This thing's like a movie. Guess who sees them, right? Joseph. And then Joseph sees them and gets his sword and just slashes them all over and says, you deserve that, right? No. No. Us action movie folks probably would have liked that. We would have loved that. He sees his brothers. And man, I, there's something in me, man, that's just like basically he is, he's, he's testing them pretty much. Joseph is testing his brothers. He wants to see after all these years, is your heart still in the right place? Are you guys still the same guys that tossed me in the pit? So he basically, he, he, he accuses them of being spies. And they're like, no, we swear, we swear, we swear. And he's like, all right, fine. I'm going to take one of your brothers. He's going to stay with me. You guys go back. But when you go back, I want you to bring your youngest brother. Now, if you guys know the story... The youngest brother is his biological brother from the same mother and father. The other 10 are stepbrothers, basically. He says, I want you to bring back Benjamin, but this is, this is the hang-up. Jacob ain't allowing that to happen. Their father. He, for him, Joseph was his favorite. He is not going to let another one die. And so they're like, I don't know if we can do this, man, but we're gonna, we'll, we'll see what we do. They head back, and a year passes. How dysfunctional is this family? <laughs> they leave one of the brothers for a year in prison because they don't want to go get the other one and bring him over. That's messed up, man. There's some issues here. They go back. They tell their dad. They're like, hey, listen, we got we to gotta bring Benjamin back. If we don't bring Benjamin back, because now it's year two. It's been a, about a year already. Now they're back to needing some food. And Jacob's like, yo, we need to get some food. And he's like, and they're like, listen, dad, we cannot go any further until Benjamin comes with us. That, that is what the ruler told us. And he's like, oh my gosh, okay, do it, do it. And then basically it, Judah was the one that stepped up and said, listen, dad, if something happens to Benjamin, it's my life. I'm the one that will step in. I'm the one that will step in. And so they end up going. They end up leaving, and, 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 and Joseph encounters them, and as they're all together now, he puts together a feast, puts them in order in, 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 by age, and they're all like, how does he know this stuff, right? And, and he's giving the youngest, his, his, his biological brother, the more food. They're all like, how is this guy knowing everything that's happening? And he basically, the second test ends up being that he puts in a cup like a royal cup, into the youngest son's sack. And he tells them, all right, guys, you, you can head out your way. I'll see you guys. They end up leaving, 
Halfway through, Joseph comes. He's chasing them down with his officials. And he says, you thieves. I knew you were thieves, basically. Someone took my cup. Someone, someone basically stole. And they're like, no, no, we did not. And if anyone of us did, you can kill us and, 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 and just end our lives right here, right then. So they go back to the city. They meet Joseph and they unravel each sack, young, oldest to youngest, guess who has the cup? Benjamin. These brothers were destroyed. But what I love about this story is that Judah was the one that stepped up. And he said, and he basically told Joseph, he didn't call him that, but this Roman official or um, Egyptian official, hey, hey, can I talk with you? And if you remember, Judah was the one that sold his brother into slavery. So he, he, he comes to Joseph and he says, hey, we can, this can't happen, man. You, we cannot let our youngest brother go, not go home. Our father would die. Take my place instead. And after him hearing this, we're going to read now in Genesis 45, 1. Then Joseph could no longer control himself before all his attendants. And he cried out, have everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him and Pharaoh's household heard about it. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were shook. Then Joseph said to his brothers, come close, come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I'm your brother, Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God had me, basically gave me a head start. You see, forgiveness It's always nice to receive, but it's not nice to give it. It doesn't feel good to give forgiveness. We all love to receive forgiveness, right? But what if God's asking you today to give it? You see, in all scripture, outside of Jesus, this is one of the greatest stories of forgiveness you can find. One of the greatest. And there's three things really that allowed Joseph to forgive his brothers the way that he did. Number one is this. Joseph wept. How does that, what does that mean? Joseph basically allowed himself to process the pain. The Bible says that as he encountered his brothers for the first time, there was three incidences that he had to step away Go to his chambers and cry. Joseph had to process the pain. Can you imagine the internal battle that is going through his mind? Can you imagine that? His flesh saying, you need to seek revenge. And his heart is saying, I can't. Look what God has done through this. 
And for many of us, especially us guys, we don't allow ourselves to process anything. We go through difficulty and we're like, I'm good. I'm fine. But dude, he hurt. Like, that must be tough. No, 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 I'm good, man. I'm fine. Everything's good. You give no, yourself no space to process the pain in your life. And for some of us, we process the pain and we're just not in an emotional state to even make decisions. And we do, which end up becoming consequences to themselves. You don't sit and you don't pause. Imagine if Joseph just took it into his own hands the moment that he saw his brothers wept and said, it's over. I'm done with them. But he stepped away, processed the pain, wept. Listen, guys, the shortest Bible verse you'll ever read, Jesus cried. I wonder if it's there for this moment to remind you that it's okay for you to process the pain that you're going through in your life. It's okay for you to open your heart up to God. Let him know how you feel. Number two is this. Joseph focused on the good. He didn't allow himself to be overwhelmed by the bad that came from the pain. Joseph reassured his brothers. Check this out. He reassured his brothers that they intended for what they intended for evil, God intended for good. Right? We see that not only one time, we see that two times. The second time, guess who ended up passing away? Their brother. I mean, their, their, their dad, Jacob. Jacob passed away. And here's his brother still kind of uncertain where their brother stood in their relationship. But Joseph says, hey, guys, even though dad's not here, this is what he goes on to say in chapter 50, 19 and 20. Don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done for the saving of many lives. Do you guys remember who else said this? A couple hundred years fast forward from from that date, Paul, probably in prison too. He says in Romans 8, 28, and we know all things that God will work the good for those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. Listen, Joseph is living this out. You want to know how to live this out? This is what it is to live it out. It's to see good in the middle of your bad. It's to make a conscious decision. That yes, I can choose to, to take my own, to put this in my own hands, but I ain't choosing to do that. I'm letting God take care of things. And number three is this. Joseph didn't rely on an apology from his brothers before he forgave them. How many of you guys are waiting for someone to come to you? The person that hurt you to come to you and ask for forgiveness before you even open your heart up. Because let me, spoiler alert. It ain't happening. It might not happen. It may not happen. The person that changed your life for negative may not ever come face to face to you and say, I'm sorry for what I did. But are you willing to still forgive them? How do we know? How do we know that Joseph forgave them even before he even saw them? Because in Genesis chapter 41, 51 and 52, 
Now Pharaoh has given him this high title. And not only that, he gave him a wife. And right before the famine was ready to start, he bore, his wife bore him two sons. Check this out. Joseph named his older son Manasseh, for he said, God has made me forget all my troubles and everyone in my father's family. Joseph's second named his second son Ephraim, for he said, God has made me fruitful in this land of grief. This is before he even encountered his brothers. There was a process going on with him of forgiveness. There's nowhere in scripture that says that his brothers came to him and asked for forgiveness. Nowhere. You could look. I looked. There's nowhere. What keeps people from forgiving? They are waiting for that person to ask for forgiveness. Can you imagine if Joseph waited for his brothers to say, we're sorry? And even then, he had that moment. He had that moment. But he was already being healed. He was already being healed. What happens when you decide not to forgive? Holding on to unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Holding on to unforgiveness. I'm going to say that again. It's like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Joseph had every right. He had the power. He had the prestige. He had the status to cut their supply of food, to seek revenge, to put them in prison, to kill them. But yet he does not do that. What does he do? He weeps. He weeps. He weeps. You see, Joseph didn't cry when they dumped him in the pit. We don't hear Joseph crying when he was sold into slavery. We don't read that Joseph cried when he was put into prison for being falsely accused. We don't read that he cried when he uh, was forgotten for two years, but he cried when he encountered his brothers. He couldn't contain himself. You see, in my life, for me, and this was an emotional message for me, it felt like a first because I knew I'd gone through that too. At age eight, my parents divorced. And they did a really good job with covering everything, trying to keep things steady. But how many know you just can't for too, too long? After a while, I started noticing dad's just not around. He's not, even spent, he's not even in the house with us at night. Dinner tables, one more seat empty. I now only seeing him once a month. What's happening? And as an older brother of two, you feel this just this pressure. I don't I can't explain it. This pressure to try to maintain the house and try to keep things steady. You basically your mom's an emotional wreck. She basically is, is not even there. And you're struggling to find 
your place and identity and where did this all fall and why does this all go wrong in my life? And at 18, close to my 20s actually, early 20s, I had to make a decision. God was working in me. I knew ministry was going to be part of my life. And there was just this tug and God was telling me, you need to forgive your father. You need to forgive him. And that kept ringing over my head constantly. How many know when God's talking to you, he is just bugging over, over. I would talk to him on the phone. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that what I needed to say. And my heart was racing. I was sweating. And I remember I said, I just, I got to give this up to God. I got to do this in order for me to be free, in order for me to just be who God's called me to be, to see the freedom because I was reaching a cap. There was a cap over me. And until I opened that cap through unforgiveness, I wasn't going to reach anything. I wasn't going to go any further. And if I did, it would be all stemmed out of bitterness, resentment, frustration, anger, pain. And I didn't want that. I called him up and I'll tell you something. I never sobbed the way I sobbed in that phone call. I could not even get words out of my mouth. I could not even, I don't even know, like, I know I told him that I forgave him, but it was like the most hardest thing for me to get out. I sobbed. And I wasn't surprised, but he didn't ask for forgiveness. In that phone call, he didn't, he didn't say, I'm, I'm sorry, Joni, for everything I've done. But I knew that I needed to take that approach. I knew that I needed to take that step in my life in order for me to be free. It wasn't my fault. It's not my fault. It wasn't Joseph's fault. He was put in the pit, put in prison. But you know that in order for you to be free, you have to forgive. You have to, you have to take that step. In order for me to grow, in order for me to go wherever God wants me to go, I have to take that step. There was a powerful story I read. Corey Ten Boone, if you haven't heard of her. She's a, she's a Holocaust survivor. She saw her, her family murdered in front of her. And years later, she's in a church giving her testimony. And as she's wrapping things up, she's shaking everybody's hand. Um, and an individual comes to her, shakes her hand. He, she looks at him. And he was one of the soldiers that was a part of her, her family's massacre. Can you imagine what's going on in her mind? The, the documentary says that she was basically frozen. So much going on in her mind, she could not even process everything. And, it's like, and, 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 and the soldier shakes her hand and he says, thank you so much for sharing this message. My, me and my family have given our lives to Jesus. And we can't, we're thankful for Jesus for changing our lives. Can you imagine? But she goes on to say this, forgiveness is not an emotion. It's an act of the will. And every day, I got to decide. And every day, I got to decide to put the pain away and walk forward. 
You see, all of this, it just doesn't vanish. It just doesn't disappear. You just don't, you just don't get prayed over and it's gone. Can it happen? Yes. There's internal wounds. But this is the walk that God has for you in place. This is the developing part that he's working in you in your life. And it may not make sense right now, but he is working something. He's doing something in the middle of your pain and struggle. You see, for many of us, I have these here. And... I don't know if you guys can see this on this end here. This is Joseph's life, right? Now, mind you, Joseph, he was raised under a patriarch of the faith. Be reminded of that. So I can imagine that he's sitting in the feet of his father, listening to stories of Abraham, his great-grandfather, Isaac, his grandfather, And hearing stories of his father wrestling with God. And it built a faith in him. There was something there. But still, there was a dysfunction in the family. If Joseph's family wasn't dysfunctional, his brothers would have never sold him as a slave. If Joseph's brothers never sold him as a slave, he would have never gone to Egypt. If Joseph would have never gone to Egypt, he would have never been sold to Potiphar. If Joseph never worked for Potiphar, Potiphar's wife would have never accused him of rape. That happens, right? That happens in the story. You think it's going to work and got to redo it again. Right? We're getting there. God's speaking to somebody today. If Joseph never false, was never falsely accused of rape, he would have never been put in prison. If Joseph would have never been put in prison, he would have never met the butler and the baker. If Joseph would have never have met the butler and a baker, he would have never interpreted their dreams. If Joseph 
never would have interpreted their dreams. Joseph never would have had the opportunity to interpret Pharaoh's dream. If Joseph would have never interpreted Pharaoh's dream, then he never becomes prime minister of Egypt. If Joseph never becomes prime minister of Egypt, then he never wisely prepares for the terrible famine to come. If Joseph never wisely prepares for the famine to come, then his family back in Canaan dies. Another piece. If Joseph's family back in Canaan dies in the famine, then the Messiah cannot come from a dead family line. If the Messiah does not come, then Jesus never came. If Jesus never came, and we are all dead of our sins and have no hope in this world. See? Everything comes together for the good of those who love him. For the good of those who love him. See, I, I may not understand the plan. I may not understand what God is doing. And life may look like this. But little do we know that God is building something underneath the surface of our life that we have yet to understand. And what you see, God sees this. See, God's ultimate plan for Joseph came to pass on a different timeline and under different circumstances. But ultimately, the dream came to pass not just for his life, but for many others to come, including you and including me. There's symmetry that ties everything back to God's ultimate plan. And there's a specific plan for your life that God has. Give it time. He's building. The hurt and the pain has purpose. It doesn't make sense. 
but the evil that Joseph's brothers intended, God turned it around for good. How did it make sense for Joseph when he was in the prison? But it made sense God was working something out. God has a specific plan for you, but it involves faithfulness and forgiveness. And in order to obtain those, then you will truly experience the freedom that God has for you. Yesterday is history. Tomorrow is a mystery. But today is a gift. That's why it's called present. Today is a gift God has given you to be in this place today, to be hearing online, to choose what you want to do, to be faithful, to forgive, or to move on. Ignore what God has called. But I'll tell you something, until you face it, you'll never be satisfied. There's no one and nothing that will satisfy that freedom that you need in your life that only Jesus can give. You can bow your heads with me here today. Father, today I am humbled in being able to give your word. I think about when I was four and five years old, hearing my dad preach as a pastor under the benches. now I get my son is here and he hears me you turn things around for the good I may not understand but you do today I ask you Father God to pierce every heart that is here bring the freedom the freedom that is needed Father God to change lives we can't do it but only you can today if there's anyone Father here today that is in need let them come boldly before the presence of God unashamed today I want to invite you if that's you today faithfulness Forgiveness. Find if you need that today, come running. God wants to forgive you. God wants to give you a second opportunity, a third, a fourth, a fifth, a sixth. He wants to just lavish his love on you today. Be forgiven and be freed so that you can forgive and be freed. So that you can forgive others. But if you haven't been forgiven by the Savior, you can't forgive. Experience that forgiveness here today. And for those that are running the course of just being faithful in the middle of their trial and pain, Father, I'm asking you today to reassure them that it's all part of the plan, that it's all part of the process, that what you're building is beyond what they could ever imagine. Today, Lord, I'm going to invite our pastors and our elders to come forth. 
And if that is you today and you need prayer today, don't be ashamed. Come. The altar is open for you to receive the love of Jesus Christ over your life right now. Come as you are. Come as you are. Bring the hurt. Bring the pain. It doesn't matter. God receives it. He wants it. And he lavishes his love on you. If you could stand on your feet here today. Our pastors, our elders, and leaders are here. If you need prayer today while we sing this song, I want to invite you to come. And let's pray together and let's experience the freedom that only comes through Jesus Christ.